Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Superhero action figures over seven inches tall. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Lots of action for one and all. Action figures over seven inches tall. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Way Back Wednesday. That's right. If you're listening to the day the show's uploaded, it is September 27th. This is episode number 1,381. And the wacky person that's right next to me. Jimmy, I got one name. Jimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 <laughs> Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That's right. And right next to me is the hero of the story. That's Kimmy. Just pull the ring. You never know what she'll say next. All right, I'm pulling the ring. Hello there. <laughs> oh, oh, How no. are you oh, today? Oh, please, don't be. You're kind of scaring me there a little bit. Oh, I feel like I'm in a Twilight Zone episode or something. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, no, I have Chucky's sister or something. Look out. Uh, watch out. Uh, yeah. Okay, Kimmy is with me on a wacky way back Wednesday. How are things going for you on a wacky way back Wednesday? Great. Great. Okay, you sound like you're with Tony. Okay, the time. And 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 Kimmy's been with Tony the Tiger. You can see if you see one of our uh, uh, video slideshow things on Facebook, you'll see what I'm talking about. He's one of my buddies. Besides being a wacky way back Wednesday, Kimmy, what is Wednesday in the world of nerdum? New comic book day. Ooh, that is exactly right. This is the day to find new stuff at comic book stores throughout the country. Find new T-shirts, you know, new comics, new graphic novels, trade paperbacks, statues, toys, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And you can find a comic book shop near you right on our uh, website. We have a comic book shop locator. It's like uh, it works by zip code. You'll find a place within 1.5 miles all the way out to 50 miles. If you've never been to a comic book store, this is the time to do that. And by the way, if you love maybe the TV shows that have superhero things or superhero themed or movies but you've never been to a comic book store, check out the comic book store. This is where that stuff comes from, right, Kimmy? That's right. And they have back issues and things like that where you can find out the history, the rich history of the characters you might love. Maybe you like Daredevil. Maybe maybe that was your first uh, love with superheroes. Maybe you hadn't watched any superhero things till Daredevil on Netflix. Find out about Daredevil. Go to your comic book store, right? Yeah. And we're going to focus on a couple of comic book stores in Central Florida. Good friends to the Riley and Kimmy Show. If you are in the Ocoee area, the Claremont area, be sure to go to West Orange Comics and Video Games. Say hello to Scott, the owner, good friend to the Riley and Kimmy show. They're in Ocoee, Florida. Mm -hmm. And they will help you with all your comic book needs. And then another location to go to in the area of uh, Orlando, over towards the Space Coast, actually, Melbourne area. That is Famous Faces and Funny. Stop on by and say hello to Rick Shea and crew. They're there to help you with all your comic book needs. Right, Kimmy? Oh, yeah. That's Famous Faces and Funnies. We have links to both locations right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com, or you can just find them easily on Facebook. Both are very social media active that is West Orange Comics and Video Games in Ocoee and also Famous Faces and Funnies in Melbourne, Florida. 
And you can find out what's new at the comic book stores. We have an entire list available right on our website, which is RileyandKimmy.com. You can find all the new things, like the new comic books and trade paperbacks. They have the entire list, so you, hey, you can maybe check off some things before right. you actually go to that comic book store. Yeah. Right, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. And speaking of our website, you can check out archived interviews. We have those available. Also, every episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show is available for your listening pleasure or torture. And we have nerd news information, things like that, and also nerd links. And our social media links, so you can follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's right there, too. And we also have a contact event page. If you have an upcoming event you would like the Riley and Kimmy Show to be part of and to promote, just connect with us right there. That's at contact event page right on our website. What is our web address for all those things we're talking about, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com RileyandKimmy.com The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play again? That is a question for Way Back Wednesday. Does Kimmy want to go way back in time to the thrilling days of yesteryear with some uh, trivia? That's right. Does she want to play nerd and pop culture trivia on this Way Back Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> We have an adjusted timeline, meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order, or maybe it is. It could be. It may not be. Shout out answers to help Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers. I'm not kidding here. So yell at whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth any time of day. That's why I tell your friends. You found a place that offers pop culture escapism. Every single day, a variety nerd talk show. That's the Riley and Kimmy show. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, is about, well, it's about cars. It was on this date in 1908. The first Model T automobile leaves the factory in Detroit, Michigan. Now, the question for you is, who made... The Model T, Kimmy. Henry Ford? You got it exactly right. That's 100% uh, that's right. Uh, 1908, the Model T. It was on this date in 1938. This song was heard for the first time on this person's radio show, and then it would become his signature song. He sung it on this date for the very first time in 1938. Tell me who... This is Thanks for the memory Of sentimental verse Nothing in my purse And chuckles when the preacher said For better or for worse How lovely it was We who could laugh over big things Were parted by only a slight thing Who is that, Kimmy? Bob Hope. That's right. He sang it for the first time on the Bob Hope Show, 1938. That's thanks for the memory. The year is 1964. This group appears on the Ed Sullivan Show for the first time. They perform this song. Tell me the name of the hit. I'm getting bugged driving up and down the same old strip. I gotta find a new place where the kids are hip. What is the name of that hit, Kimmy? I get around. I get around. 
Yes, and who sang that song, Kimmy? The Beach Boys. That's right, and you actually saw that performance, not in 1964, you saw that that, <laughs> that retro play. No, Kimmy time travels, and she went back and saw the performance. No, actually, we did time travel because we were watching Decades TV, the retro television network, and they ran the Beach Boys episode of... Ed Sullivan. We yes. saw that. And it was amazing. They brought those cars out, those classic cars. They set up. Oh, yeah. They actually had that. That was pretty impressive, the the set that they uh-huh. had. And Mike Love performing there was kind of uh, interesting, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was getting into it. He was it. doing the monkey. Yeah, he was. He was dancing. I, I couldn't believe that, right? Yeah. He was doing the monkey. Yeah, Kimmy, Kimmy. If you don't know what the monkey is, uh, well, uh, uh, it's a dance. I, you know, Kimmy will demonstrate the it's monkey. It's a dance. Kimmy will demonstrate the monkey at one of our upcoming events. How's that? Okay, I'll practice. Staying in the world of music, but going up a few years, the year is 1973. This single is released. It would become the Billboard Song of the Year in 1974. Kimmy, tell me the name of the hit. Kimmy, tell me the name of that hit. The Way We Were. The Way We Were. Yes, 1973, it climbed up the charts. It became the Song of the Year for Billboard in 1974. Who is the recording artist? Barbara Streisand. You you got it right. Do you have that on vinyl or 8-track or uh, anything, Kimmy? No. Really, would you like to have that? Uh, no. You know, I am visiting some of our good friends that have a lot of uh, vinyl for sale. Do you want me to look for some Barbara Streisand the way we were? No. You, are you sure about that? Yes. Moving to television, the year is 1976. This person who was known for a TV show called The Brady Bunch stars on a drama, a made-for-TV movie on NBC called Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway. What former Brady Bunch member plays in Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway? Here's your audio clue. No, he left. Is this the liquor store? Do you know? Who is this? Frederick who? It was nothing, Alex. No, no, I lied. Kimmy, can you tell me the name of that former actor, or actually actress, from the Brady Bunch? Eve Plum? Marsha! Yes, you got that right. Now, have you ever seen Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. It, you can stream it. It is available. Uh, it, it's, uh, is it yeah. better than Boy in the Bubble? No. It's uh, <laughs> actually Boy in the Bubble is an Emmy uh, is Emmy material Ooh. compared to that. Um, yeah. It, it's a rough one. And you know what's interesting? She did that, and I, can't, I think about 1976, 75 maybe, somewhere around in there. The one who played Marsha, you know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Who? Maureen McCormick mm-hmm. played in a movie with Eric Estrada, and they were criminals Ooh. on the run. That is actually better than this thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. You wow. know, I, I, I love retro stuff, but uh, yeah, that 1976 uh, TV drama, Dawn, Portrait of a Teenage Runaway, might be fun to watch over the weekend or something with some friends. Just say, hey, let's uh, watch some. 
you know, what happened to them on the Brady Bunch? Where do they go next? Uh, yeah, no. Okay. The year is 1979, Kimmy. This recording artist collapsed on stage while performing. Well, we have the song here. It happened at Universal Amphitheater. After a 10-minute delay, he returns and completed the concert. It was determined he was suffering from exhaustion brought on by flu, but he wouldn't let that keep him down. It's kind of interesting the song he performed when he collapsed was Better Off Dead. Tell me who the recording artist is. Yeah, he collapsed. He, he, he went to sleep. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, he collapsed. That was 1979. Who is it, Kimmy? Elton John. You got it right with Better Off Dead. Do you have that in your collection? Uh, no. Oh, okay. The year is 1983. This basketball player signed a seven-year contract worth $15 million. It's Larry Bird. That contract made him the highest paid member of this team in its history. What team was he playing for in 1983? The Boston Celtics. You got it right, Kimmy. Moving to the world of cinema. 1989, Sony purchases Columbia Pictures for $3.4 billion in cash. Hmm. Think about that. Yeah. That amount of money in 1989. Wow. The year is 1998. Mark McGuire set a Major League Baseball record when he hit his 70th home run of the season. What team is Mark McGuire playing for in 1998? Mm, the Cardinals? Ooh, the Phillies. No, you got it right the first one, Kimmy. Did somebody Cardinals? shout that out to you? Or? I just saw red, like a red, red. red uniform. Wow, really? That's interesting. Cardinals, Phillies, wow. Cardinals. Okay. I didn't know you had that psychic ability. Yeah. I knew you were psycho. I didn't know you had the psychic ability. I saw it. Wow. Standing there. Okay, okay. I was getting ready to sing a song. Okay. The year is 2008. This actress marries another actor. That's right. She marries somebody. Identify who she is and then tell me who she marries in 2008. We have a little soundbite of her talking about her character and, well... One of the movie franchises she is known for. The Black Widow, when we first find her, is uh, she's, you know, being tasked. Um, she is in Russia. She is, uh, you know, in the middle of taking care of business. Who is that? Scarlett Johansson. The year is 2008. She gets married to whom? Ryan Reynolds. That's right. Question for you. Are they still married? No, they are not. And when did they get divorced? Within two years. Mm. Married in 2008, called it quits when? 2014? 2011 is when their divorce oh. became final. The year is 2012. This single is released. Tell me the recording artist. We're like diamonds in the sky. You're a shooting star, I see. A vision of ecstasy. When you hold me, I'm alive. We're like diamonds in the sky. Jimmy, who had that as a hit? Rihanna. And was that a number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 or not? Mm, I'm going to say no. It was number one. Oh. 
moving to celebrity and notable birthdays. This person born 1920, Kimmy, an American actor, also voiceover talent and director, although you would not know him for his, uh, his directing works. You know him for his on-camera and his voiceover work. Here is a clue we have for you, Kimmy, of some of his voiceover work. He did many intros for television programs, also cartoons. He also did this television sci-fi classic. In the year 1987, at the John F. Kennedy Space Center, NASA launched the last of America's deep space probes. The payload perched on the nose cone of the massive rocket was a one-man exploration vessel, Ranger 3. Aboard this compact starship, a lone astronaut, Captain William Buck Rogers, was to experience cosmic forces beyond all comprehension. An awesome rush with death. In the wink of an eye, his life support systems were frozen by temperatures beyond imagination. Ranger 3 was blown out of its planned trajectory into an orbit a thousand times more vast. An orbit which was to return the ship full circle to its point of origin, its mother Earth, not in five months, but in 500 years. Kimmy, can you identify that voice? William Conrad. That's right, Kimmy. William Conrad, born on this date, 1920. Now, you know him for playing a detective on a TV show from 1971 to 1976. What was the name of that TV show? It was, well, the name of the character he played. Cannon. Kimmy got it right, Cannon, 1971-1976. Now, while the little theme there was playing, Kimmy, the the full version of the Cannon theme, you asked me something off yeah. mic. What was the question? Well, was his name Cannon because he looks like the shape of a cannonball? Hey, now, what are you saying? Um, you know, if you watch some of those classic episodes, and I think maybe me TV runs them, at least on occasion, you will see Cannon, William Conrad, was doing Kung Fu. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, he was doing kung fu and karate and all kinds. Of, and you know, he had a car. It was really cool. The car he drove, I think, was a Lincoln, if I remember right. And he had a car phone in it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it was he, he was pretty cool. Okay. That is William Conrad with Cannon. He was also uh, on Nero Wolf in 1981, and Jake and a Fat Man 1987 to 92. He was the narrator for Rocky and Bullwinkle from 59 to 64. Funny you mention about the. Uh, the size thing. His size didn't matter for a certain radio program. He was the first Matt Dillon. He was Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City, in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. 
And that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. You sit right down. You want to be Lynch? You're trying to get yourself murdered? Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking at him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons, lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Well, maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here. You might spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. That is a sample of his uh, Matt Dillon from the original Gunsmoke. And when it came to be a TV show, he was bypassed because they didn't think he was cosmetically appealing enough to play Matt Dillon. James Arness gets the role, which the interesting thing is, while the TV show is on, the radio show continues, and William Conrad stays as Matt Dillon. Mm. They didn't use, you know, any of the same actors at all. Some of the stories they would recycle to the early days of the uh, TV show, but that that's about as far as it went. Now, interesting thing is, a number of years later, William Conrad would narrate an episode of the TV show Gunsmoke. In 1973, he narrated an episode called Women for Sale. It is a powerful read in tribute to William Conrad. Here is a little bit of that narration. In the years between, it was a period on the Texas frontier, little recorded by history, a time of violence and fear. Indian tribes betrayed by government and army treaties and incited by white traders gave birth to renegade bands composed mostly of young braves bitterly angry at the white man's ruthless encroachment into the lands they considered their birthright. These small bands splitting away from the tribal structure of Comanche, Kiowa, and Apache began a series of savage raids on isolated white settlements and ranches. By 1870, these raids for cattle, horses, and human captives had reached as far north as the Canadian River. And over the years, they grew in magnitude and terror until men, women, and children were being carried off and traded into slavery. The men who paid in gold, rifles, and gaudy trinkets for these captives were a gypsy-like and notorious breed of white and Mexican outcasts known as Comancheros. Eventually, they came to be regarded as more savage than the bands of renegades with whom they traded. So that by 1873, the word Comanchero had become synonymous with violence and terror. And there was one particular place, a rocky fortress buried deep in the western wasteland, that became a marketplace for their traffic and human misery. Long after Lincoln's proclamation had given the black man his freedom, a white slave market flourished in the heat and dust of the southern plains. It was a place where families were split apart. Children were torn from mothers and wives from husbands. And those who witnessed these tragedies called this place the Valley of Tears. From Gunsmoke 1973, that is William Conrad, the episode Women for Sale. He also did some work with Star Wars. Give me a 1977, they did a TV episode of the making of Star Wars, he was the narrator. George Lucas, 
33 years old, writer and director of Star Wars. His first feature film for Warner Brothers, THX 1138. Also science fiction, but of a very different kind. His second, Universal's American Graffiti, which recalled his adolescent years in a small town in California. His third film, the phenomenally successful Star Wars, which he wrote far from Hollywood at his home in Northern California. That is William Conrad. I can I can listen to him and read the phone book. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, check him out if you get an opportunity. So many movies he did. That is William Conrad. By the way, if you are interested in his work with Gunsmoke, we have three episodes of Gunsmoke from the 1950s. Matt Dillon, by him, before the TV show was even on the air. You can check that out. It's on our website right now for your listening pleasure at RileyandKimmy.com. Kimmy, next person, born on this date, 1933, died in 1996 at the age of 62, best known for playing a character on this TV show. What is it? Mission Impossible. I think he played my favorite character. He was in, I think, almost all the episodes from the beginning to its end. He was the one that liked the gadgets, the computers, the electronic gizmos. He played Barney. Tell me the name of this actor. His son has played a superhero, Kimmy. Matter of fact, his son would play on the reboot of Mission Impossible on TV. Can you tell me who he is? I I mean... I know who you mean. I I, I can't do his name. I think he is my favorite character on the show. You know, because he liked those gadgets. It is Greg Morris. Moving to another person, actor, known for being a character actor before he eventually really got big, and but he got big when he was like older, quite a bit older, in so many movies. One of them, The China Syndrome in 1979. He was in the reboot of The Thing in 1982, The Natural in 84, Cocoon in 85, played a nasty guy in The Firm. He was head of security in 1993. He was on a TV show called Our House in 1986 to 88. He played Gus. That was on NBC. Shannon Doherty was his granddaughter. I don't know if you ever saw the show, Kimmy. And he did a ton of commercials. Tell me who he is. You know, when I was a kid and got a hold of a nickel, I thought I was rich. I didn't turn up my nose at pennies either. Today, some folks won't even bend to pick them up. Well, here's a bowl of steaming Quaker oatmeal. And I can't think of a healthier way to start the day. Cost you one nickel and four pennies. So if you can't be bothered with nickels and pennies, throw them in a jar. Start an oatmeal fund. Quaker Oats. It's the right thing to do. Not too expensive either. Kimmy, who is that? Wilfred Grimley. What's that last name? Wilfred Grimley. It's not It's not Grimley, but we'll give it to you. It's not Ed Grimley's uh, dad or grandfather. It's Wilford, which we'll give you because you got Wilford, right? It's Wilford Brimley. Brimley. How old is Wilford Brimley today within five years? 93. You're 10 years off, Kimmy. Is he 83 or is he 103? Which is it? 103. He is 83 today. (laughs) Next person, born on this date, 1936, died 2012 at the age of 75. Many, many musicians owe a debt of thanks to this guy. If he hadn't had his show, they may have never made it. 
best known as a creator of a nationally syndicated dance and music show. Kimmy, tell me who he is. Hey, man, welcome aboard. I can guarantee you'll enjoy the ride, especially if you like your soul ice cold, because none other than the Iceman himself is going to be looking you right dead in your eyes after this very important message. And that brings us to the end of what we hope has been a beautiful trip for you and what certainly has been a groovy ride for me. We thank you for joining us. We thank our very exciting guests, Gladys Knight in the Pips, The Honeycone, Bobby Hutton, special guest Eddie Kendricks, and of course, the Soul Train Gang. Hope you'll climb aboard next week on these same stations and you can bet your last money it's all going to be a stone gas, honey. Always in parting, we're going to wish you love, peace, and soul. Jimmy, that show ran from 1971 to 1993 with him as the host. It would go beyond that. Tell me who it is. Don Cornelius. You got it right. Born on this date, 1936. Next person, singer. Born on this date. Kimmy, tell me how old he is once you identify him. And, of course, tell me his name. Here's a sample of his work. Number one hit from 1993. Kimmy, who is that? Meatloaf. Right. And how old is he today within five years? 65. He is 70, so you get it. I see dead people. Notable deaths, 1985. Lloyd Nolan dies at the age of 83. He was a film and television actor. Also did some directing, too. Among his many roles, well, he was in the movie Peyton Place in 1957. He played a doctor in that very controversial film at the time. And he was a star. He was a doctor on this show. It was Julia from 1968 to 1971. You remember this show? No. They didn't run it in syndication or anything, uh, reruns? Okay. No. All right, that's Julia. The year's 2003. This American dancer and actor dies at the age of 78. It's Donald O'Connor, Kimmy. He starred in Francis the Talking Mule films. Who is Francis? Francis is an old army mule. He looks like a mule. He smells like a mule. But Francis is different. He can talk. Oh, yes, he can. Donald O'Connor heard him to his everlasting regret. You mean the animal talked to you the way I'm speaking now? Maybe not so loud, sir. Francis is scared to death the army will discover he can talk. What? He said he was afraid they'd send him to Officer's Candidate School. Then, by the great God, Jupiter, what in thunder shall all find confidential about your source of information? I just can't tell you, sir. Oh, no, no. Not that mule again. Yeah, Francis the Talking Mule. I have a feeling you've never seen any of those films, right? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to check them out. They are fun. Now, he acted in almost the entire franchise except for the last film. Mickey Rooney took over the role, uh, you know, as a friend to Francis. But you do know him, Kimmy. You actually watched a film on the big screen with me in a theater, a retro theater. You know him for the movie Singing in the Rain. He played the role of Cosmo Brown. Come on now, snap out of it. You can't let a little thing like this get you down. Why, you're Donald Lockwood, aren't you? And Donald Lockwood's an actor, isn't he? Well, what's the first thing an actor learns? The show must go on. Come rain, come shine, come snow, come sleet. The show must go on. So, Reedy, Pagliacci, Reedy. Down the world is so full of a number of things. I'm sure we should all be as happy as... 
But are we? No. Definitely no. Positively no. Decidedly no. Uh-uh. Short people have long faces. And long people have short faces. Big people have little humor, and little people have no humor at all. <laughs> and in the words of that immortal bard, Samuel J. Snodgrass, as he was about to be led to the guillotine, make them laugh, make them laugh. Don't you know everyone wants to laugh? <laughs> my dad said, be an actor, my son. But be a comical one, they'll be standing in lines for those old honky-tonk monkey shines. That's Donald O'Connor from Singing in the Rain. Make them laugh. That is something to really check out if you've never seen that before. The performances he does in that, he is uh, he has magic. He, I don't know how. Remember, there's no CGI or anything. There's this one scene where he actually jumps onto the piano. Yeah, that, that's part of that song right there. And I don't know how he does, you know, how, how he did it. I mean, it's just fantastic. He's an underrated person, in my opinion. And definitely check him out. That's Donald O'Connor. All his work is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job with today's trivia. Thank you. And we're going to go back in time and honor something. We'll have a tribute to somebody we talked about on trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. We talked about actor William Conrad being born on this date in 1920. We have some examples with this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show of his fine work. So many things he did during the golden age of radio. First example we have is Two for the Road. It's uh, part of a suspense episode. It is a thriller for sure. It's from 1958. It's followed by Never Steal a Butcher's Wife. From 1957, it's fantastic, too. Both of these are great. They're back-to-back and uninterrupted. And as a reminder, on our website, we have three examples of him as Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke. First episode's titled Billy the Kid from 1952, followed by Doc Holliday and finishing with Kitty. They are all back-to-back and uninterrupted. They're available right on our website right now. And what's our web address? RileyandKimmy.com And we're concluding this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show with the two set of old-time radio shows with William Conrad kicking it off with Two for the Road from 1958. Here's William Conrad on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. Some years ago... Ernest Hemingway's great short story, The Killers, was made into a movie. Anyone who saw it will never forget the menace and brutality of the two gunmen in the opening sequence. Two nastier heavies have rarely been seen together on the screen. Feeling that their type of tough guy should not be allowed to languish in limbo, we have brought them together again in a rather different kind of story, yet still a story of heavies. Listen, listen then as William Conrad and Charles McGraw star in Two for the Road. Where are we now, Joe? Uh, You've been asleep? (sighs) Yeah. Where are we now? Uh, I don't know for sure. Some place in Arkansas, I think. Sure is a big country, ain't it? Yeah. Hey, you want me to drive? No, I'm all right. You got some more sleep, huh? I got enough. 
Sure you're all right. Uh, we'll be a little groggy. We'll stop in the next place for coffee, and you can take it from there. Okay. Hey, what time is it? Must be past midnight. You know, I keep wondering. Yeah, wondering what? Ah, for doing the right thing, cutting out like this. What else could we do? New York is dead. For Chicago, and New York. You think the coast will be any better? It's gotta be. There's plenty of action on the coast. I hope you're right. But all we got lined up is that job for Rocky. What about after? Well, you do the job good for Rocky, you take care of us. Yeah. When we get there, you think? Well, we come nearly halfway in 24 hours. If we go right through, we ought to make it by yeah, tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, it don't seem possible. It's such a big country. If Rocky wasn't in such a hurry with that job, we could see some of it. Yeah. Nothing between New York and a coast but scenery. Oh, there's Vegas. Yeah, but that's practically the coast. Yeah. You've seen one superhighway, you've seen them all. Yeah, cities too. I was in Boston once for a tryout. Nothing. Drug haven. Huh? Uh, joint up ahead there. Let's stop for coffee, huh? Yeah, okay. You know what they say, if the truck drivers stop at a joint, the food's got to be good. Well, I don't see any trucks. Then all I want is coffee. I can't go wrong on coffee. This place might as well close up for the night. No cars parked outside. And no customers inside. Yeah, there's one. Look at that doll at the counter. Yeah, not bad. What she's doing out here all alone in the middle of the night? Uh, waiting for a bus, maybe. Evening. Hi. Hi. Two coffees make mine black. Yeah, same here. Two coffees. Hey, Mac, what's the matter with your TV? Huh? It's about the lousiest picture I ever saw. Best we can do. We ain't close enough to Little Rock, and we're too far from Memphis. Must drive you nuts all fuzzy like that. You get used to it. Four, five, one, 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 and one of our friendly operators will take your order. If you're outside Hi, boy. Area, Hi. Just call Hello. Say, ain't I seen you fellas before? I don't know how. We ain't never been here before. Well, neither have I. I'm from Memphis. We went through Memphis this evening. Funny. I'm sure I've seen you someplace. No, in New York, maybe. Uh-uh. I've never been east of Chattanooga. Well, we never been west of Weehawken. Well, excuse me for butting in. Not at all. I got it all. Hey, Joe. She's not bad, not bad. Yeah, it seems better. Yeah, not all the time. What do you mean? Well, Lord said, if magic didn't get to him, I had to use a direct method. Tough. We was running yeah. a nice clean operation. Yeah, I knew I'd seen you Don't before. Don't remember how to make the same out of Where? Right there on That's the TV, ain't that Huh? I can't tell through all that snow. <laughs> Charlie, look. How about that? It's an old okay, Kenny of the plain clothes. Yeah. Sure looks like you. That's us. Yeah, but do you mind reaching up and turning it off? It stinks even when you can see the picture. Gee, you're actors. Yeah. I always watch your program. Ah, glad to know we got an audience in Arkansas. What you fellas doing way out here? Driving to the coast. Hollywood? Yeah, that's right. Hey, you want a lift? Sure. Why? Why not? Well, we... We're driving right through. It wouldn't be very comfortable for Oh, you. I don't mind. I won't take up hardly any room at all. And I don't have any luggage, just this purse. Well, I don't know. I, uh... I got a little money. I'll pay for my share of the gas. Well, it ain't that. It's just... Ah, come on, Joe. Let's give the kid a lift, huh? 
Oh, Charlie, haven't you heard about picking up strangers on a highway? <laughs> you don't mean you're afraid of me. Well, no, but you gotta admit it's a little kook finding a girl out in the middle of nowhere without any baggage, wanting to go to the coast. All right, it's like this. I'm running away from home. Why don't you run back? We don't want your husband gunning for us. Oh, no. I'm running away from my old man and my old lady. Tonight we had a big beef and I walked out. Got a ride out of Memphis as far as here. <laughs> What's so funny? You worry about giving me a ride. I'm the one that's got the worries. This fellow that gave me a lift out of Memphis wanted me to pay for the ride. The price was too high. That's why I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. Oh, what a dirty, no good... But you guys don't look like that type. Oh, we're not. So I trust you and I'll accept your invitation. Well, okay. You finished your coffee, Lothario? Oh, yeah, sure. All right, let's hit the road then. way to Hollywood with two famous actors. Oh, we're not so famous. Not famous? Why, I bet the Plain Clothesman is the most popular TV show in Memphis. Everybody knows Joe Harris and Charlie Bloom. You're Charlie, aren't you? That's right. And you're Joe? Yeah. How come you're going to Hollywood? They killed us. We're dead. Dead? Yeah, what Joe means is we got too big for the Plain Clothesman, see? And the star of the show... Hubert Bromley? Oh, I can't stand him. Yeah, well, anyway, he's a star, and he didn't like how big Joe and I was getting, so he had the writers get us killed in last week's episode. Well, that was mean of him. Well, that's showbiz. And being as how uh, we was typecast as hoods, we couldn't get any good parts in New York. Actually, Joe and I are pretty serious actors. Oh, I know you are. Yeah, we just look like hoods. That's what I liked about you in The Plain Clothesman. Yeah. Well, we got this pal in Hollywood, Rocky. Rocky Lamont? He used to hang around Walgreens, but he's a director now. And he's got a couple of swell parts for us in a pilot he's shooting. The Three Musketeers. Well, I thought that was a kid show. Musketeers, not Mouseketeers. Oh. That's why we're in such a hurry. Rocky starts shooting day after tomorrow. Say, honey. Yeah, Joe? You got any idea where we are? Mm, I want to be too far from Little Rock. Hey, Joe. Joe, look, must be a wreck up ahead. All those flashing red lights. Police cars. That's a roadblock. They're signaling us to stop. Hey, what do you suppose they want? Who knows? Don't stop, Joe. What do you want me to do? Barrel right through? Yeah. If you're crazy or something, they'd shoot us full of holes. We'll shoot back. With what? With this. Hey, Joe. Look, she's got a rod. What? You nuts, you'll put that out of sight. Help! What's Help! the matter with her? Help! Well, don't ask me. Help! She was your Help! idea. She's over here. Thank heaven you stopped us, officer. These two men are kidnapping me. Okay, they you me two are. Hey, now, listen, officer. This broad's flipped. Yeah, we just met her up the road. Ah! Hold your hands up. Aye. Now, look, Sergeant, I'm sure we can explain everything. You better. Now, you, young lady. Hey, Sam. Yeah? The gal ain't here. The door on the other side's open. She must have got out that way. There she is. She's on Jerry's sick. Hey, stop. Stop, I'll shoot. Look out. She's got a gun. My, how chivalry has fallen in Arkansas. Shooting at women. It'll be children next. All right, mister. It's my duty to tell you that anything you say may be used against you. Frisk him, Sam. Right. Where are you from? New York. Where are you going? 
Hollywood. Yeah, Sergeant, we're just driving through. They're both clean. Mm. Check them against those descriptions. Are you in Memphis tonight? Yeah. Doing what? Just driving through. Uh, let's see your driver's license. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's gone. My wallet's gone. So's mine, Joe. That broad, she's a pickpocket. Yeah, she stole my watch. You gotta arrest her. Oh, don't you worry. We'll arrest her as soon as we can catch her. Descriptions fit, Riggs. Mm, so's the car. Blue and white convertible. New York license plates. Check their registration. What's your name? Joe Harris. And what's yours? Charlie Bloom. Whose car is this? Mine. The car's registered to Yus... Yusuf Horowitz. Mm. Now, come again. What's your name? Joe Harris. And that's your car? That's right. And how come it's registered to uh, Yusuf Horowitz? Uh, you see, Joe Harris is short for Yusuf Horowitz. Why'd you steal the car? Look, I didn't steal the car. It's mine. All of it, it's paid up. That's my name, Yusuf Horowitz. Joe Harris is my stage name. That's right, officer. Hey, listen, you don't believe that crazy broad, do you? You don't think we kidnapped her? No, not for a minute. I think she was in this here thing with you from the beginning. I think she drove the getaway car. Get away from what? The holdup of the Cotton State National Bank in Memphis this afternoon. What? Snapped the cuffs on him, Sam. Yeah. But, now, look here. You're making a terrible mistake. You haven't got any charges. Oh, yes, we have. Armed robbery and murder. That bank teller you shot died an hour ago. In a moment... We continue with the third act of Suspense. It has the fresh, clean scent of pine. It's new. It's, it's at, at your store. What is it? It's the best disinfectant anywhere. Kills disease germs on contact. It's Lysol in a new pine scent. Right. Now there's a new pine-scented Lysol. Now your home can be pine-sweet and Lysol-clean with genuine Lysol brand disinfectant. New pine-scented Lysol disinfects, deodorizes, deep cleans kitchen, bathroom, nursery, sick room. Keeps things fresh and sweet with no extra work. Pine-scented Lysol helps guard your home. In laboratory tests, Lysol's anti-germ action kept working for seven full days. So try this new pine-scented Lysol. Make your home... Pine, sweet, and Lysol clean. You can still get regular Lysol, too. And now... Starring William Conrad and Charles McGraw, Act Three of Two for the Road. <laughs> Hey, Tonky! Hey! Knock it off down there. I gotta talk to you. I said knock it off. You got no right to wrap him across the knuckles. I got any right I want to take. Now, listen. Where's the sheriff? I told you I want to talk to the sheriff. I know you did. What did you tell him? Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Now, you can't keep us in jail like this. You're in, ain't you? Where's the sheriff? I wouldn't know. Now, look, listen, we got to get out of here. We got an appointment in Hollywood. You better cancel it. All right, Sam. You can bring in the prisoners. Yes, sir. This way. Sit down, boys. I hear you want to talk to me. You're darn right we do, Sheriff. Well, good. Because I want to talk to you. What about? 
Can't you guess? Well, that cop last night said something about a bank robbery in Memphis, but we don't know nothing about it. Yeah, we're just a couple of actors. Well, it looks like you're a couple of bad actors. Look, you can check it. I'm Joe Harris. Yeah, I'm Charlie Bloom. Yeah, we've been playing a heavies in a TV series of plainclothesmen. Yeah, we were on last night on Channel 2. Well, I don't look at TV very much, but I look at descriptions of wanted men, and you fit the description of the men who robbed that bank in Memphis yesterday. Well, it, that was just a coincidence. Well, is it a coincidence that the girl who was with you last night when you were arrested fits the description of the girl who drove the getaway car at the bank holdup? Yeah, that, that's a coincidence, too. I want to talk to an attorney. You can. Now, we've got to write the counsel. You can't hold it I like... I can, and I am. Incommunicado for 72 hours, and that's the law. Oh, listen, Sheriff, be reasonable. We got an important date on the coast. We're late as it is. And you're going to be much later. You can't prove that we robbed that bank. Can you prove you didn't? Sure, ask anybody who saw the plainclothesman last night. Yeah, ask that girl. She saw us on TV last I'd night. I'd like to ask her a lot of things. Like, what about the kidnapping? Sheriff, there wasn't no kidnapping. She asked us for a lift, and we gave it to her. Well, until I question her, we'll, uh, we'll just forget the kidnapping charge, huh? Thanks a lot. But you can make it easier on yourself if you cooperate with us about that bank robbery. Ah, you must be kidding. I don't kid. Now, let's have the story. Look, I told you we're actors. Well, yes, oh, yes. Well, then act. What? I've got plenty of time. You say you're actors, well, <laughs> go on, act. Will you believe us if we prove that we're actors? Well, I'm not making any promises. The burden of proof lies with you. Hey, Joe, Joe, let me. I'll prove it to him. Remember that closing speech in the plain clothesman that got me the Emmy? All right, you listen to me, copper. You put the roust on me for the last time. I hate cops. I was born hating cops. Uh, and cops ain't done nothing all my life to make Joe. me like them. I've always no. promised myself that someday Joe. I'd kill me a cop and today's Joe, a day. Will you, will you shut Let up? him go on. I believe him. Well, I believe every word he said. Oh, go on, boy. What are you going to do after you kill your cop? Uh, uh, that's all. That's the end of the speech. So you hate cops, huh? Well, that makes us even, because I hate punks. Hey, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. He doesn't mean that. He was acting. He convinced me. That he's an actor? No, that he's a bank robber. All right, listen. Now, if you don't understand Charlie's acting, you listen to this. It's a different kind of acting. Oh, what a rogue and peasant slave am I. Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in fiction and a dream of passion, could force his soul so to his own conceit and all for nothing? For Hecuba... What's Hecuba to him or him to Hecuba that he should weep for her? Well, now, who's this Hecuba? Uh, oh, oh, of course. Hecuba's that broad that swiped that motorcycle. Well, eh? that was from Hamlet, act two, scene two. That was acting. Oh, that was acting. All right, now, are you, are you ready to talk about that bank job? Look, once more, real slow, we don't know nothing about no bank job. Well, like I said, we've got plenty of time. While we're waiting for you to make a confession on that bank robbery, maybe we can find some other charges against you. Oh, but this is crazy. What charges? Well, I don't know yet. Uh, I'll know better after the lineup. Lineup? Yeah, a couple of acting fellas like you claim to be. Oh, my, you ought to enjoy the lineup. I'll put you up there on the stage with the footlights on you, and I'll give you an audience. <sighs> Look, you don't have to do that. That girl, she knows who we are. Ask her. No, I can't. Not know we pick her up. But it'd be nice to have her in the lineup, too, now, wouldn't it, boys? Yeah. That'd add a little sex appeal to your show. Sam? Yeah, Chief. Got anything on that girl yet? 
Yeah, Chief. A teletype just came in a couple minutes ago. Oh, they got her? We might say they have. Found her an hour ago in a gully north of Greenville. Oh, she didn't get far then? Far enough. She's dead. Dead? Yeah. Guess she didn't know too much about driving a sickle. Skidded the thing right through the guardrail last night. Well, thank you, Sam. You hear that, boys? Yeah. Oh, you gotta believe us. I don't gotta do anything. You gotta get a new alibi. In a moment, we continue with the fourth act of Suspense. What bothers you most about a cold? For me, it's the choked-up, congested feeling. In fact, science now says to clear away most cold miseries, clear away congestion. Sinus congestion that causes headaches. Nasal congestion that shuts off breathing. Throat phlegm with its choking discomfort. Bronchial irritation that starts coughing. Yes, to clear away those cold miseries, clear away that congestion. And now, there's a specialized new medicine to do that. Fast, four-way liquid cough and cold medication. Taken as directed, with the first dose, feel sinus pressure and headache clear. Feel runny nose dry and open up. Breathe freely. Sore throat is soothed. Cough eased. Yes, four-way liquid clears away cold congestion and clears away worst cold miseries. Working through the bloodstream, it reaches all those congested areas. Because it's liquid, relief comes fast. So to clear away cold suffering, clear away congestion with new four-way liquid cough and cold medication. Get it today, only 98 cents. And now, starring Charles McGraw and William Conrad, act four of Two for the Road. All right, get up there on the platform. Stretch out there, arm's length apart. Hit the lights. Wow, wow, they're bright. Yeah, I could use some scrims. Okay, Sheriff, we're ready here. How are we going to get out of this, Joe? I don't know, Charlie. I don't write the scripts. I just act in them. All right, folks. Will you please come in now? That's it, folks. Just take a chair there, anyways. Right there, that's all right. Just sit down right there. Now, that's it. Now, we're holding these men as suspects. Any of them look familiar to you? Well, it's, uh, it's hard to say, Sheriff. The, the holdup happened so fast. It... Well, maybe if you heard them speak. Uh, what was it that the gunman said to you? Uh, uh, this is a stick-up. Uh, don't move and nobody will get hurt. Something like that. Uh-huh. Well, all right, you men. Now, you men up there, let me hear each one of you say that. That this is a stick-up. Don't no one move and you won't get hurt. <clears throat> me? Uh, this is a stick-up. Don't no one move, and you won't get hurt. Next. Uh, this is a stick-up. Don't no one move, and you won't get hurt. Yes. Next, man. This is a stick-up. Don't no one move, and you won't get hurt. Yeah. Last, man. This is a stick-up. Don't no one move, and you won't get hurt. That's him. That's him. I'll never forget that voice as long as I live. I couldn't see him, of course. It was pitch dark. In the bank? No, in my bedroom. He crept in through the window, and he stood over my bed, and I could hear him breathing. And then he spoke. He didn't say those words, of course. And then I screamed. Uh, yes, well, you can testify to that in court. Oh, yes. Well, thank you, Mrs. It's Mitt. Miss, Miss Freilenhausen. Oh, I see. Well, well, thanks, ma'am. Yes, now, Mr. Johnson. 
about the bank robber. Well, I, I'd like to hear that second man again. Okay. You, number two. Huh? Speak your piece again. Uh, this is stick up, don't no one move, and you won't get hurt. Well, Mr. Johnson? Uh, yes, I, I'm fairly sure that's the voice. Uh, he was the only one who spoke. That other one there stood by the door and covered him. He was the one who shot the teller. Yes, yes, I'm positive now. There's, there's no doubt about it. They're the ones. Good. I want to thank you folks for doing your duty as citizens, taxpayers, and voters. <laughs> Take them back to jail. Book them. Well, boys, I, I guess we can stop the play acting. You ready to confess? We haven't got nothing to confess, Sheriff. Well, you heard the people. Mr. Johnson will testify in court that you stuck up the bank. And we got you on a breaking, entering, and attempting... I wouldn't go near an old bag like that if I was alone with her in a of desert. Of course, they've seen us before, and they heard us before, every week on a TV set. I'm satisfied with their identification, and the court will be too. But I'd like to save the county a lot of time and money, and you could make it a lot easier on yourself by just giving me a full confession. You can save yourself a false arrest suit by letting us go. On your own, say so? No, you got our fingerprints. Why don't you send them to Washington? We don't need to help the FBI in this county. We solve our own crime. Excuse me, Sheriff. Yes, Sam? He just brought in body that girl. Here's her purse. Yes, there's no doubt she was the one who drove the getaway car. She was carrying $2,500 of the bank's money in this purse. See? Yes, uh, that's one-third of the stolen money. What'd you do with your cut, boy? Oh, knock it off. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Look, Joe. What? Our wallets. Look, she had our wallets in her purse. What? Your hands off yeah. that stuff. Well, well, look at them, Sheriff. You'll find our driver's licenses and all sorts of ID cards. Yeah, mm, sure. This is Joe Harris. Well, that won't prove a thing. You've been identified by the victim. Oh, but Sheriff. Uh, yes? Your wife's outside, Sheriff. Well, tell her I... Uh, uh, Oh, no, that wouldn't be any good. I'm afraid not, sir. She's on her way in. Elmo, why didn't you tell me you were entertaining celebrities? Huh? Clarabelle Froiling hasn't called me. Oh, poor thing. She's all confused when she was down here. She was sure she'd seen him somewhere before. And after she got home, she realized where? On TV. Well... Aren't you going to introduce me? Yeah, now, look here, Ellie. I'm very busy. Oh, and don't got... bother. I'd recognize him anywhere. You're Joe Harris. That's right, ma'am. And you're Charlie Bloom. Yes, ma'am. Oh, my. This is an honor. Here, Elmo. Elmo, give me a piece of paper and a pencil. Yes, sir. Oh, there. Now, would you please give me your autograph? Oh, I'd be delighted. You don't know how delighted, ma'am. Well, what brings you to Alfair City? Uh, your husband. Why didn't you tell me, Elmo? We could have had a parade and a civic celebration. Oh, but it's not too late for an impromptu reception, at least. I'm afraid we couldn't make it, ma'am. You see, we're under arrest. Arrest? What for? Your husband thinks we're bank robbers, yeah, ma'am. He wants to send us to prison for the rest of our lives. Elmo, have you lost your mind? Don't you know that these two gentlemen are famous actors? Not until now. We tried to tell him. Do you want to make yourself the laughing stock of Jackrabbit County? And just before election, too? No. Well, you let them go this instant. But, Ellie, how can I be sure? Just that... take my word for it. Oh, honest, I don't know what would become of you if it weren't for me. Yes, Ellie. Well, boys, here's your wallets. 
I guess you can go. Oh, my goodness, I don't know how I can make this up to you, but I'd be tickled pink if you'd come out to the house for supper. Well, thank you, ma'am, but we're in sort of a hurry. Yeah, you see, we got to make a picture in Hollywood, and we're a little late. Well, don't forget us. (laughs) I, uh... Don't think that's possible, ma'am. And when you come back again this way, do drop in to see us. Yes, ma'am. We'll think about that, ma'am. We'll think a long time about that. Suspense. In which William Conrad and Charles McGraw starred in Two for the Road. Written, produced, and directed by William N. Robeson. Supporting Mr. Conrad and Mr. McGraw in Two for the Road were Paula Winslow, June Foray, Howard McNear, Evan Thompson, Barney Phillips, Sam Pierce, and Jack Crucian. Never Steal a Butcher's Wife, co-starring Mr. William Conrad and Miss Kathy Lewis. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. It started the first day of the job... I was clerk in the liquor department of this supermarket. I, I hadn't been in Los Angeles but about a week. My brother, when I'd left New York, had given me this letter to a friend of his, a guy who owned a string of these supermarkets, and this guy had this opening, liquor clerk, and comes following Monday, I'm at work. It's one of those big places with hardly any clerks, you know? You pushed a little cart around and you helped yourself. To get out, you passed the cash register and the girl loaded your stuff and rang up the price. Well, that's where the trouble was. This girl at the check stand. I hadn't noticed her until around noon. And when I happened to look up, there she was, looking at me. Just looking at me. But she must have been 50 feet away, at least, and with customers between us. But it was like we were all alone, the two of us, on a beach somewhere. An empty beach. Hmm. Just you and me, baby. Hey. Just hey, you. you and me. Hey. What? What's the matter? Sleep on your feet? What, what'd you say? You're the new guy, yeah? Huh? Oh, oh, yeah, I just started this morning. I'm Nick Arno. I work the vegetables. Oh, Harry Carr. Uh, Please meet you. Yeah. You got two bottles of cold beer? Sure. There you are. Only, uh, don't open them here by the counter, you know. Law. I have them out back with my lunch. Uh, Nick. What? The, uh, gal over there by the cash register. Mary? Yeah, is that her name, Mary? Yeah. What about her? Well, that's what I was wondering. What about her? Oh. No soap. She's married. Are you kidding? See that big guy over there with the knife? Kraus, the butcher. Yeah? Ask him if I'm kidding. Well, who's he? Her husband. Oh. See it. I looked over at the butcher. He was a funny-looking guy, a real creep. He stood there sharpening a tremendous big cleaver, whistling to himself. He wore rimless glasses with thick lenses so that his eyes looked like baseballs. When he saw that I was looking at him, he nodded and went on whistling and stropping. I looked over at her. She was giving me the eye again. We closed at seven. The vegetable guys carted out the old stuff, and the delicatessen man put away his pickles, and I checked the register, counted my slips, made out my entries. And Krauss, the butcher, was still there, packing and cleaning, putting stuff in that big refrigerator room back of the counter. But she had left. So I got into my street coat and I walked on. Hello? She was standing looking at a shoe display a couple of doors down from the market. I said hello. 
Don't you say hello wherever it is you come from? <laughs> well, sure. Hello. Taking the bus? Mm-hmm. Which way do you go? Uh, down to Western. I'm going that way. I'll drive you. Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't think you better. What's the matter? Well, I, I just wouldn't want to trouble you, that's all. No trouble. Well, I... Come on. I'm parked right here. Well, uh, what about Mr. Krause? He'll be there an hour yet. He takes the bus. Oh. Come on. Don't be afraid. Oh, I'm not afraid. I, <laughs> I just don't think... Oh, that... come on. Get in. <laughs> All day long, I'm pushing liquor at them, and now they're pushing it back at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute, Ed. <laughs> I mean it. You're cute. Yeah, well, so are you, baby. You really think so? Sure, baby. Harry, hmm? let's get out of here. Go someplace else. Hey, I gotta work in the morning. Silly. This is the morning. It is. Hey, uh, hey, Mac, what's the time? Uh, almost 1.30. You really think I'm cute, Harry? Well, sure, baby, but it's late. It's real late. Don't worry, sugar. Come on, I'll take you home, huh? Hmm. I'll take you home. Of course, I felt lousy the next morning. I, I'm not much of a drinker, but... She looked fresh as a daisy, smiling and joking with the customers. Well, I avoided her all day. I, I didn't like this setup. I didn't like to think about what must have gone on between her and Cross when she got in. When I came out that night, there she was, waiting for me. I tried to get away. Harry. But she said she had something very serious to talk over, and, well, the way she said it, I, I got in the car again. He's awful. Really, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's tough. You just wouldn't believe some of the things. Yeah. Uh, look, Mary, He's I... a crazy jealous. Huh? What? what does he know about me? What, what did you tell him? Well, I got in this morning, and there he was. He said, where have you been? I said, what's it to you, Andy? I call him Andy. Drives him crazy. He said, don't you think you can fool me? And then he, he started to cry and, and talk real crazy. Look, uh, Mary, maybe we better not see each other again. Huh? Don't be silly. He doesn't know who you are, who it is. Yeah, but he could find out. Not unless I told him. But you, you wouldn't do that. Of course not, baby. As long as you're good to me. Next night, I stayed in the market after work. I was scared. I did inventory. I counted bottles. I cleaned the refrigerator. I changed the water in the soft drinks cooler. I just kept busy. And across the market, Krauss was moving around, cleaning up. After a while, he took off his apron. He came over. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Mr. Krauss. Give me a bottle of beer. Well, yeah, sure, sure thing. All right, to drink it here? Well, sure. We're, we're closed, aren't we? Yeah. Here, here's an opener for you. Thanks. 
You're working late. Well, you, you know how it is. <laughs> Nothing to do evenings. No? No, I, I'm new out here. You know, it takes time to make friends. Yeah. Listen, do you know my wife? Your wife? Yeah, you know her? What, she... Isn't she the one who checks the groceries? Yeah. Oh, she's a very nice-looking lady. Yeah. Listen, have you noticed anything funny going on there? Funny? I think somebody's playing around with her, and I want to find out who. Listen, have you noticed anything? I mean, some guy who shoots the breeze with her, something like that? Well, no. No. Then will you do me a favor? Well, sure. What? Keep your eyes open. Yeah, I, I will, Mr. Krause. I, I promise you. I'll find the guy. I'll find out who he is if it takes a year. And when I do, I'll kill him. Good night. Good night. And now... Co-starring William Conrad and Kathy Lewis. Act two of... Never Steal a Butcher's Wife. Well, the next day was tough, real tough. With Mary looking over at me every now and then, giving me those big eyes, and Krauss looking over, raising his eyebrows, do I know who it is yet? And me making a long face and shaking my head. And then Nick, the vegetable man, comes over. I see you didn't understand what I told you the other day, huh? What? Well, what's that, Nick? About Mary. I told you she was a married woman. <laughs> what are you talking about? I see you, the both of you, coming out of a bar the other morning. You're nuts. Don't pull the hot face with me, Harry. I ought to tip cross off to what's going on. Look, uh, Nick. Uh, now, nah, uh, Nick, be a good guy, will you? Be a good guy. I'm telling you, you better be a good guy and leave the butcher's wife alone if you know what's good for you. I me. will, Nick. I, I, I will. I, I got no use for her. You better not. She'll get what's coming to you. Sure, sure, Nick. Sure thing. I meant it. I had no use for her, but this was a broad you couldn't shake. That night, she was waiting for me after work outside the market. And she wouldn't listen to reason. But, baby, you can't pull out until I'm ready to let you out. Now stop being silly and get in the car. Look, can't you understand? I don't want any trouble. There won't be any if you're smart. Oh, come on, baby. Let's go have some fun. Look, Mary, please. What is it? What? Oh, hello, Nick. I warned you. Now, look, Nick, you, you got it wrong. Have I? What is all this? You shut up. Don't you talk to me like that. I'll talk to you like I please. Cheat, two-timer, tramp. Harry, hit him, Harry. But I didn't hit him because all of a sudden I knew what I had to do and I knew that I had to do it fast. Harry, where are you going, baby? I didn't turn. Nick was still standing there beside the car. I went back into the market. Mr. Cross... Mr. Krauss? Yeah? Uh, I, I found out. What? I found out who it is. Who? Who? Nick. The vegetable man? Yeah. The vegetable man. I never did like him. I never did. I got out of there then, and I took a fifth of bourbon home with me. No dinner. I, I just lay there on the bed for about three hours talking to myself. Then finally my mind was made up and I started to pack. I was broke, but I didn't care. I'd have to skip out on my rent, but that didn't matter. I didn't care. I just wanted out from Krauss, from Mary, and from Nick. 
said I couldn't walk out and leave Nick on the spot, even if he was a snooping little rat. So I wrote a note to Krauss. I said, I did it, Krauss. Don't blame anybody else. Then I took the note, my bag, and the key to the market, and I tiptoed out of the room and house. I caught a bus, and I went to the market. The boulevard was deserted. I looked in through the glass door. In the back of the place up high, there was a red neon beer sign that blinked on and off, on and off. I unlocked the door, and I went in, and I locked the door behind me. The place was eerie in the dark with that red light blinking on and off. I went to the butcher counter first, and I laid the note on the scale where he'd be sure to see it. Then I crossed over to the liquor department. It was dark, and I kept bumping into things. And I thought, why am I acting like a criminal? And then I turned the light on. And the whole place was suddenly dazzling, and it hurt my eyes. I looked at the cash register. I, I was just thinking about maybe taking a couple of bucks when the light went out. But I hadn't touched the switch... There were other switches in the place, but I didn't know where. After that brightness, the place seemed twice as dark. The red sign blinked on and off, on and off. And then I saw him, Krauss. He was standing behind the meat counter at the scale. He picked up the note, and he read it. I couldn't see his eyes, just the glasses. And every time the light blinked, they shone red, bright red, like some sort of a terrible toy. And then... He yanked a knife out of the rack on the chopping block and started toward me. It was like a movie that you'd see one frame at a time. Each time the light blinked on, he wasn't where he'd been before. But he was closer. Closer. I hid behind a tower of dog food boxes. I could hear his squeaky shoes coming for me. And then... They stopped, and there was another sound. He'd taken off his shoes. And very quietly, I bent and I took mine off. And I began to tiptoe away. And then I rounded a corner, and there he was, not two feet away from me, with his back to me. And I lost my balance, and I put my hand out to study myself. And a whole display went over, and I ran. And I was at the end of an aisle, and there was a wall, the back wall. And I turned, and he was coming straight at me. My hand touched something cold. It was a bottle. I grabbed it. It was ammonia. Cross! You get back! You get back, Cross, or I'll blind you! Cross, I warn you, I swear I will! He stood there like a crazy giant, like a cyclops, tearing at his eyes, the ammonia running down his face. But I didn't wait. I ran past him, bumping him aside. And I cut around the cash register and passed the delicatessen and the bakery into the door. Oh, it was locked. The key, I'd left it in the lock and it was gone. Cross kept coming, feeling his way along, moaning, silhouetted in the light that gleamed like a tongue of flame on the knife that he'd held in his hand. I slid behind the counter of the meat department. Under my feet, the sawdust. And I bent and I scooped up a handful. And he moved his head from side to side, trying nearsightedly to see me. And then his head stopped moving, held it sideways, using one eye to see me. He came on, and the knife held way back. And I waited. And I let fly with the sawdust, and I jumped to one side with my back up against the block, and he twisted and skidded in the sawdust, and he fell. And he was very still for a moment. In the blinking light, I saw the knife. He'd fallen on it. 
It was sticking in the middle of his chest. (laughs) Then, very slowly, he got to his feet, one hand over the place where the knife was, and then he started toward me again. He grabbed a cleaver from the chopping block, and I backed away. Behind me, I felt a large, cold handle at the door to the meat storage room, and I heaved it open. (laughs) Inside, it was cold. Bitter cold, and it was dark. At the center of the door was one small, thick pane of glass. It was clouded, so I wiped it clear with my hand, and I looked out. And Krauss stood there, his face an inch from mine, looking in at me. And then his eyes rolled back, and his face went slack, and he fell out of sight. He was dead. I was sure of it. I felt around in the dark for the door handle, but... It wouldn't move. I heaved and I dug, but it wouldn't move. Oh, maybe another door, I thought. Maybe there's another door out of this place. And I began to search for it in the dark, feeling along the icy, damp walls. I walked into something cold that swung gently when I touched it. A side of beef. But no door. I moved on farther. (laughs) Another icy, cold thing... I'm crazy. I know it. I'm crazy. This one feels as though it's wearing... wearing silk stockings. So here I am. It's awfully cold. It's cold as a tomb. Oh, the time goes slow. While I'm... Waiting, waiting, and waiting. I'll, I'll tell myself the whole story again. And again. It'll, it'll give me something to do, you know? Something to think about. But, you see, it started that first day of the job. I was clerking the liquor department at a supermarket. I hadn't been to Los Angeles for a week. And my brother, when I left New York, had given me this letter to a friend of his. The guy who owned a string of sugar money. And this guy had an opening. Supporting Mr. Conrad and Miss Lewis in Never Steal a Butcher's Wife were Joe DeSantis and Lou Merrill. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y.com. If you friend, follow, and like us, We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show.
Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.